Praise God. Amen. You know what? Let's just pray. I can't even. Uh, <laughs> it's good just to acknowledge him. Amen. My God, we just reverence your presence. My God, we don't just try to continue and talk over your presence. We are here to, my God, reverence and submit to it, my God. We say, Lord, reign. Lord, reign. Lord, reign. We enthrone you now. Just, 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 just begin to talk to him. Just, just begin to enthrone him in your life right now. Begin to enthrone him in your heart right now. Just begin to enthrone him in this moment. Jesus, rain, 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 rain in this place. Rain in every heart. Rain, my God. Rain, my God, over every life that's here, Lord. Rain, Jesus. Over every issue, over every circumstance, Lord, reign, my God. We, we enthrone you now, my God. We enthrone you now, Jesus. King Jesus, King Jesus, King Jesus. We enthrone you in this moment, my God. We, we thank you, Jesus, for your very tangible, my God, presence that's here right now, my God. We, we my God, right now, my God, we just enthrone that presence, my God, over our lives. We enthrone you, Jesus. We enthrone your love. We enthrone your mercy. We enthrone your grace. We enthrone your faithfulness. We enthrone your ways, Jesus. We enthrone you now, Lord God. We enthrone you now, King Jesus. We say, have your way, my God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done, my God. On earth, my God. In our lives, Jesus. In this church, my God. In our families, my God. In our homes, Lord Jesus, reign. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. We invite the Lordship of Jesus right now, my God, to take its place. Father God, I thank you. I pray right now, even upon my mouth, reign. I enthrone you over every word, over every thought. Let it be none of my own, but all of yours. I place myself behind your cross. May you be glorified. May you be heard. May you be seen. May you be revealed. Lord God, I pray right now. Lord, I thank you. Though it be this tongue moving, my God, let it be your spirit that is speaking into every life, to every heart. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, the gospel, gospel of Matthew, chapter number six, and we will be in verse 25 through through 27, and we will also be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 2 through 4. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Amen. And then we'll be in Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 through 4. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk to you today from the subject, growing into a child. Growing into a child. I know it's an oxymoron, but, but that's, that's the way Jesus does it. <laughs> I want to talk to you about growing into a child. In, in verse 27 of, uh, of Matthew 6, Jesus says, Which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to his stature? How many of you understand that you do not have the power to change your height. How many that 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 there there is that you there is nothing you can do that can make you grow higher or shorter. And that's and, and Jesus he's bringing this ridiculous uh, uh, contrast to our response to the issues in our life. That Jesus is saying that worrying is a consequence of not realizing your limitations. I want to let it sit in for a moment. He says it's a consequence of you not realizing your limitations. You have taken on the burden to change things that you do not have the power to change. In a sense, Jesus is suggesting that worry is a symptom of misplaced pride. And we have all these expectations and we have all these desires and ambition that exceed the stature of our reason and we are stressed out because our pride won't allow us to accept our limits and let things go. Now, I, I know we're a little bit quiet because it's maybe it's a bit counterintuitive that, of what we maybe expect to hear in church. Because we are used to hearing, I can do all things. And that's true. But you don't forget the second half of the verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the problem is that while we quote that verse, in practice, we, we, we draw encouragement from the second half. But what we really live out is in the first half. Even how we say it sometimes shows us where the main emphasis is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> it, it, it is, the second half is the subtitle what we really get charged up for is I can do all things 
Because that is sort of the narrative the world has built up in us, right? That's what we hear all the world. You can do it. You, it's, it is the yes you can of Scripture. And, and you see, the world has the same stuff. It has, you know, it, but you have to understand the gospel is not motivational speaking. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The world will tell you the same thing, just absent of Christ. It has a form of godliness, but denies the power. <laughs> See, I don't know if we have sometimes, a, uh, as believers, a true appreciation of the extent by which the world we're living in has discipled our way of thinking, our values, and our perception of life and success. And how diametrically opposite God's ways are from the world, the way the world has trained us to live and what the world has trained us to value. The systems of this world in, the, in, the, in God's kingdom are moving in completely opposite directions. And maybe I would go to, as far as I say, moving in opposite dimensions. Jesus is, or, or God rather, he tries to illustrate this point by something he says to Isaiah. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so are your, my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. And this is where it becomes a problem for us. As believers who live in the systems of this world, we, 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 we interact with the systems of this world. We go to school in the systems of this world. We go to work in the systems of this world. We go to eat in the systems of this world. And then we come and try to follow and pursue Christ. And the world has tra tra trained us to pursue things one way. And their GPS tells us you pursue it going west. And God says, no, follow me, and goes east. And what I'm trying to get us to recognize and maybe acknowledge is that it is almost impossible to truly follow Christ and not fail to wrestle with these contrasting contradictions between these two systems we live in. Which is why sometimes we just find it easier to uh, spiritualize worldly principles by tagging on spiritual labels. Right? We, we, we'll, we'll take ambition and say, no, calling. <laughs> we'll take greed and say, no, blessing. <laughs> you know how we do it. We, 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 just, we just, just relabel the packaging. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of rebranding this world. It's about a radical transformation of it. And let me tell you something. God's ways are radically different. And it's going to frustrate you trying to pursue God and his promises using the values and the systems of this world. And, but I, listen, we, we understand the paradox of the believer that... We are called to live in the world, but not be, that's a tough order. We quote it, but it's difficult to live, right? <laughs> because the real question is, how do we practically live out 
the ways of God in our everyday lives, in our pursuits, in our decisions, in our motives. That's hard, right? Our motives. Because we can, we can look like we're pursuing the same thing, but what drives us is different. We have different motives. It, it requires a level of intentionality and trust. I want to say that one more time. It is not going to come by default. It's going to take a level of intentionality and trust. Do we trust that God's ways are better? Do we trust that God's ways will truly satisfy our desires? And I keep saying ways on purpose. Because it's not just about trusting that God has a plan for our lives. But it's about trusting God's method of getting us there. Abraham trusted the promise. He just was frustrated at God's method of getting him there. And so, you, you know the story. That's how Ishmael was born. <laughs> He said, okay, I'll take the promise, but I'll do it my way. Do we trust God's way of getting us there? So much in that. <laughs> right? It's not just about getting there. It's getting there his way. I was thinking about this. You know, in the, in the Bible, the, uh, uh, when, they, when, when Joshua took them to the promised land and he was taking them across the Jordan... And remember, he, the, the, the Lord split the Jordan? That was not the only way to get to the promised land. How do you know? He sent two spies into the land, and they didn't need the Jordan to split to get there. Which means there was another way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you just focus on that, there's lots of ways the world will tell you to get there. But God wants to more, do more than get you there. It's about the testimony at the end of when you get there. That's why he wanted to open up the Jordan. He wanted to leave them with a testimony of that where they got where they got, not because of their strength, not because of their wisdom. He wanted them to know that they got where they got because of the faithfulness of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I said all that to prepare us now for the standard that Jesus chose by which to measure growth and maturity. You have my picture? Jesus called a child over to him and told his disciples, and he said, this is the goal. This is my son. He, but he, he called, he, Jesus called the child over and said, this is the goal. This is what I want you to grow to become, a child. Now, you have to understand also, and I think it, it, there's very little difference between our culture and theirs. The, the, a child, we love children, but, you know, it was like, get them out of the way type thing. Remember, that's what, that's what provoked this whole conversation. The disciples were like, the children were coming. They were trying to, hey, 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 you, you wait over there. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. 
He said, <laughs> he told them, unless you become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's, I mean, what is, what is, what is the most, one of the insults you can give to an adult? You're being childish. <laughs> right? Not even kids want to be called kids. You call a kid a kid, he said, I'm not a kid. <laughs> Jesus said, unless you be, this is the goal. What the rest of the world tells you, you should be growing out of. God tells you, this is the goal of what you should be growing into. What the worst of the world is trying to grow out of, God says, I want you to grow into a child. And I tell you, this will be a great plug-in for, for children's church. Because, right, because, we, we, because many of our adults, we engage children for what we have to offer them. But if we take Jesus' words here, that there, is certain, that there are certain areas our children can disciple us in, certain characteristics we have to gain, because it is a challenge. He said, this is what you're supposed to be growing into, a child. But what does this mean? We are assuming he does not expect us to grow into the chi a child in the context of our physiques. Though that would be really awesome. But, because, but Jesus doesn't really elaborate here. But rather he presents a child and sort of invites us to explore the treasure that he has built into their nature. And so taking up Jesus' invitation, one of the core, as I begin to think out this message, one of the core attributes that are of children is that they are completely dependent upon their parents for everything. They're completely dependent. And my, my son, he wakes, he wakes up, he goes to the uh, breakfast table, and he says, where's breakfast? Doesn't think about who makes it. Doesn't think about how much money it costs to bring it. D doesn't think about the bills. Doesn't think all he, 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 he just comes, sits down at the table and says breakfast. That is the liberty of dependency. Right? All of his desires, his needs, his desires, his wants, his, his everything. He never, he never wants something and then looks in his pocket to see if he has enough money for it. What? He just comes, Baba, can we, can we go to Pizza Hut today? Doesn't care how much it's going to cost me to go to Pizza Hut. Doesn't, care, doesn't, doesn't consider any of that. There was something, I was trying to, re, I had it in my head and it left me. There was something, he just had his birthday and there was something he asked me for. And it was, it was one of those, this, he just, this is one of the most, this is ridiculous, something ridiculous he asked me for this, <laughs> that, he, that he wanted. And, and I, I sort of, tried, I, I, I had a laugh inside because at the same time I was touched that he thinks in his mind, he looks at me and said, he can handle that. <laughs> you know, it felt good. I, I don't know. Part of me was like, 
you're being ridiculous. But another part is like, that feels sort of good, though. <laughs> and it sort of gave me a picture of how our father must feel. When you bring, you, you, you understand what I mean? And, and I, 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 I didn't even tell him no. I just sort of, I tried to skirt. It's like, okay, what else? <laughs> what else can we work on? He's completely dependent. Through and through. Therefore, guess what? He does not worry about his life. His life is worry-free. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Does not worry about anything. Does not worry about the finances. And because of that, there, there is a reason why this stage of life comes with a certain level of boldness. Have you noticed children are bold? They are bold for no particular reason, but there's something about when you know you're covered that makes you, that the, the sky is the limit. Not anything can happen. I can do anything. Not because of them, but they're thinking, I'm covered. It, it gives a certain level of security that allows them to be bold. They, 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 they're creative. Why? There is, they don't have to think about cost. They don't have to think about any barriers. They don't have, none of that is in their mind. It comes with all these freedoms and all of these strengths. But you know what's funny is? And you look at it, I, I, sometimes you, you look, I, I consider my children that are almost jealous of them. You know? <laughs> just, just. But the problem is that everything around them is trying to build them out of that freedom. Right? It's building them for independence. That's the whole, the whole energy around their growth is to get them to grow in, out of dependence and into independence. Then therefore the world that pumps into us is that dependency is a weakness and we need to stand on our own two feet. We talk about English, there's an English idiom. Stand on your own, meaning, meaning stand on your own strength. Stand on your own resources. Stand, uh, stand in, uh, uh, upon your own uh, desires. You, 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 can, you can do it yourself. You can make it yourself. It's all about self-reliance, self-fulfillment. You can make it. You can do it. You can stand on your own two feet. We, we have self-help books. You don't need anyone to come and do it for you. You can do it yourself. We have self-help books, self-help teachings, self-help preachings. Get it. Get your own. Get your own money. Get your own stuff. Don't be dependent on anyone. And some of you even as I'm saying it, your heart's racing like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds good. Why? The reason dependency is looked down upon is because as a weakness is that we're used to people taking advantage of or manipulating our dependency. Dependency, life teaches us that life uh, uh, dependency is just an invitation for disappointment. Dependency is not safe. And so, 
Because of that, we are trying to build ourselves towards independence because dependency is complicated and dependency is, is, is disappointing. And so we bring up our children in the doctrine of independence. But in many ways, the more independent they become, the actually the more limited they become. The creativity shrinks. The thoughts shrink. Passion shrinks. Boldness shrinks. Timidity begins to set in. The more they look to themselves for their needs, the more their dreams begin to shrink. And then they become all grown up. And they become realistic and set realistic goals within the capacity of their limits. But what's the alternative? I mean, right? We think, what's the alternative? We have to get them because maybe, can I offer something? Maybe it's, it's not an issue of dependency, but rather what we are dependent upon. Maybe instead of raising them to be independent, we should be showing them who to be dependent upon. Because while the world's way is independence, God's ways is dependency. The world tells us to grow independent. God tells us to grow dependent upon him. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. He, not you, he, he said, delight yourself in me, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In Matthew eleven twenty, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. And I will give him <laughs> all the, come to me, come to me, come to me. Come, that's the, for every one of your thirsts, come to me. For your desires, come to me. For your wants, come to me. For your desires, come to me. Come to me. That's what Jesus, come to me, come to me. I'm not afraid of your burdens, come to me. Bring me your burdens, come to me. And I'll give you a rest. <laughs> the world, people can't handle we're used to people, you know, you bring, people only have a certain level of capacity. You bring us too much, we're like, mm. But God says, come to me. I'm not, I'm not afraid of it. Come to me. I'm not afraid of that desire. Come to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, Abraham, the Bible says, I love the, what the passage, I love. God says, I'll be your shield and very great reward. And Abraham gets frustrated. He says, what can you give me since I remain childless? You know what God didn't say? Ooh, Abraham. <laughs> he said, come to me. Bring it. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of that desire. I'm not afraid of that want. I Come to me. Let's talk about it. Hallelujah. 
I said, I want you to come to me. I want you to be dependent upon me for all of that stuff. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> and lean not. Tell your neighbor to say, lean not. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. And lean not on your own. Lean not on your... Lean not on your... Lean not on your own. God said it is that the biggest obstacle to what is mine in your life is your own. Lean not on your own. Whatever your own is, your own strength, your own resources, your own gifts, your own talents, lean not upon your own. Depend not upon your own. In fact, I love, you know, the scripture is written talking about, everybody wants to know what's, how do I discover my purpose? What's God's will for my life? What's God's purpose for my life? And God says, don't worry about my part. You worry about your part. Because it is your part that's keeping you from hearing my part. Your own, if, if you interpret my will to, with your, your own, you're going to miss it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Away with this theology that tells you look at your own strength to find the will of God. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God all throughout scripture is telling people to do things they cannot do. He, to he told Moses to talk when he said, I can't talk. He told Abraham to have a child when he could not have a child. He told Peter to walk on the water when he none of his skills, none of his talents, none of his strength could really justify or help him to the place where God is calling him to be. Trying to attribute our strength to the call of God in our lives is, try, is, is like trying to applaud Peter for being able to walk while he's walking on water. You had, well, man, Peter, you could walk so good. It's amazing. Man, look at that stride. No wonder you were able to walk on that water with that type of walk. Man, you can... Lean not upon your own. Help me preach to your neighbor and say, lean not upon your own. <laughs> your own is getting in the way. Your own is tripping you up. Your own is blocking you from, from really entering what I have for you. Lean not upon your own. The Bible says that Jesus and his disciples at one time, he told them something, and I'm not going to get into the, the, the thing that he, you know, he, he said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. He had something he wanted to talk to them about, but they interpreted it a whole different way because they didn't have bread. And somehow, don't ask me how they did it. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> they thought that Jesus was accusing them not, of not having bread. So all of them started arguing 
about themselves about not bringing bread. You forget the bread? No, you're the, you forgot the bread. You should have, I, it was your turn to bake the bread. <laughs> They're having this discussion. And Jesus is hearing it in the background. In Matthew, in, in Matthew 16, verse 8 and 9, he says, Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked you of little faith, Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? <laughs> Haven't you got it by now? That this life I've called you into, that it is not dependent upon what you have or don't have. But rather, it is about you trusting and leaning and depending upon my sufficiency versus your own. And he asked them something. He says, don't you remember about the loaves? When, 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 the, the, when we had the multitude to feed, don't you remember about, you, I, I, you, brought me, you brought me two fish and five loaves, and remember how I multiplied it. Do you know what I found amazing when he said, don't you remember the loaves? In other words, he was saying that what I'm showing you here is not a one-time or a momentary miracle, but rather this is a principle of your life with me. When they were talking about not having, he said, don't you remember what I did over there? This is a principle for every other thing in your life. This is how your life in me was supposed to be. It's not, when I asked you to feed the multitude, I didn't ask you based on your sufficiency. I asked you, the reason I gave you that level of calling that level of demand was to get you to acknowledge your insufficiency and get you to acknowledge my sufficiency. Because you, the life I called you to live is not dependent upon what's in your hands, but what is in mine. That's why when Paul, well, you know what? See, the whole the whole story of the prodigal son is a story of independence versus dependency. Remember the, 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 the prodigal son, he went to his father and he said, give me the share of what is mine. I want what's mine. I'm tired of being dependent. I want what's mine. I'm tired of waiting. I want what's mine. Yeah, I got to show myself now. I got to show that I can stand on my own two feet and I can do it myself. Give me the share of what is mine. And he took the share of what was his. And the Bible says he went out. And, you know, Jer Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 13 says something interesting. It says, my people have committed two sins. Right? This is heavy. Watch this now. He says, they have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns. Mine. They have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. He says they forsook me as their living water and started to dig their own cisterns. And that's what the prodigal son was doing. He said, let me go out, dig my own cistern. 
But the problem is the cistern was broken. Couldn't hold the water. Couldn't supply his needs. And pretty soon the Bible says that, that everything was spent. Everything was gone. He had spent everything. He had spent his own. He had spent out. And the Bible says in the middle of it, he, he, I won't go through the whole story, but at some point the Bible says he comes to himself and he says, how many of my, my father's hired hands has bread enough to eat and I perish here with hunger? He said, I'll go back to my father's house. And the Bible says that he went back to humble himself as a child. Humble himself and said, I blew it. Humble himself and said, I spent what was my own and now I'm empty. And he came back and, and what, what the son is doing is probably every parent's almost worst nightmare in some country. Right? Come back. To, failed at independence and came back to dependency. And so the son was ready to hear it. He was ready to hear the all that I told you so. And he was ready to hear. He was ready. To, then the, the Bible says something unexpected happened. When he came back, the Bible says that the father ran to him. And he hugged him and he kissed him. And he called out to the servant and says, bring me the best robe. Bring me a ring and put it on his finger. Bring me and put sandals on his feet. And the son was confused because he did not realize that in God's kingdom does not operate the way the, va the, the values are different. What God exalts is different. Because it was independence humbled him, but dependency exalted him. He, God exalted his dependency. The father exalted his dependency. He put a robe on his dependency. He got a ring for dependency. He got sandals on his feet for dependency. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What God desires from us is dependency. Come to me. <laughs> Come to me. That's what God is after. That's what God exalts. That's what God values. In Mark's gospel, chapter number four, um, it talks about how, uh, we're, we're familiar with this passage, it talks, it talks about how Jesus and the disciples, they get into the boat, and the Bible says that, it is, that Jesus fell asleep at the back on a cushion, and a storm arose, and the Bible says that, that pretty soon the, the disciples found themselves in a perilous situation. The water was filling the boat, and, and soon after that, they, when, when they were at, on, at the, point where, the, where the point, uh, point where the boat was about to sink, but the whole time all of this is happening, Jesus is asleep. In the back, it's a, like this scripture used to. It was a paradox. Right? Like number one, how can Jesus be sleeping through all of this? I, do you understand? 
Either you're a really sound sleeper, man. <laughs> How could Jesus be sleeping through all this chaos? The boat is filling with water. He's asleep. And when they came to the point where they sensed that they were about to perish, they, 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 just, they just broke it and they went and woke him up and they said, Master, don't you care? And even that statement, don't you care? <laughs> don't you care that we perish? In the Bible, you know the rest of it. The Bible is Jesus stood up. He did the Jesus thing. Speaks to the storm. Speaks to the wind. It says, peace, be still. Speaks to the waves to be quiet. And everything went still. And Jesus looks at his disciples and then he said, you have little faith. Why were you afraid? Now, of course, you know, you can say, well, you're afraid because <laughs> why were you? Now, either I can take the question as rhetorical or I can engage the question with the reverence of understanding that Jesus is the word made flesh. And he speaks strategically, and if the question did not have any value, he would not have asked it. So why were they, why were they afraid? Or better yet, why are we afraid? Because we're not any different from them. We have Jesus in the boat. We have Jesus in our lives. And still, our lives is full of worry and anxiety and fear. Our hearts are troubled. We're stressed out. We, 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 are, we are in no more of a different place than the disciples were. Jesus is there. But maybe the answer to the question is in another question, which is, why did it take them so long to wake Jesus up? Why did it take them so long? Why did they wait until the boat was about to sink? Because see, up until this point, even though they had Jesus in the boat, they labored, they lived, and they processed the situation as if he were not there at all. They, they just went about and they just, just emptying out the, taking their buckets and trying to empty out the boat, doing all of these things. And when it was not working, when it was not working, when it's only when all of their strength and options were exhausted that they woke Jesus up. Does this sound familiar to us? That, that somehow we have Jesus in our lives. We worship him every Sunday. We do our little morning Bible study. But when we're going through stuff, we will walk through it as if Jesus is not there at all. We will stress, we will sweat, we will cry, we will do everything. We will cheat, we will steal, we will do all sorts of things to try to address the issue. It's only when everything else is exhausted and all other options are exhausted and all other people said no and every other door closed. Then we come to Jesus, <laughs> don't you even care? Whilst the first, come on, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Why did it take us so long to wake Jesus up? 
you know that David says something, and I always find that he says that God is a prison help in time of trouble. I can understand the sentiment, but I don't think he's just present in times of trouble. I just think we seek him in times of trouble. And because then all of a sudden we find him because because God said, you will find me when you seek me. But it's only until every other thing is exhausted (laughs) that we start seeking. Why did they wait for so long? They just had Jesus as just one of the passengers in the boat. I don't know, maybe it was a safety net. Just in case, pull Jesus out of my back pocket when things get too tough. But we go back to, if we go back to verse 36 of Mark 4, there's something interesting there. It says, they were just getting on the boat. And there's almost an unassuming part of the passage. Verse 36, it says, Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. They took him along. It was such a peculiar (laughs) and yet precise way of describing the attitude of the disciples as they were getting into the boat, they took him. What do you mean they took him? He's the master, isn't he? What do you mean they took him along? Who was in charge? Of, they took him along? He's the one who told him, let's go to the other side. But the Bible says they, he commanded the destination, but they just took him along. And I couldn't leave it. I couldn't leave it. I said, they took him along. This doesn't sound, it sounds, that doesn't sound right. There's something wrong with, because it is a phrase that I believe is letting us know that even though everything outwardly looks the same, things are not the same. There is something that changed in that moment. Because there is a difference between following Jesus and taking him along. Have you ever had, have you ever experienced having the, like, you have to get somewhere, you don't have good directions, and therefore you're dependent on following somebody to the destination? And I hate it. Because in the traffic, it's hard to keep, keep track of them, and in the traffic lights, and you lose sight of them, and you feel, you just, and you hate having, I'm going to say the word, to depend upon the person you're following for where you need to go. And that's the difference between following and taking him along is dependency. (laughs) And what the scripture is trying to show us that they haven't left Jesus. They haven't left Jesus. Jesus is still there. They took him along. They, they, they're still in a relationship. They, they haven't left him. But they're not following him anymore. They just took him along. There's a subtle shift that happens in the passage. We go from following Jesus to taking him along. 
Everything looks the same on the outside. But there's an attitude shift. There's a trust shift. Because if I take you along, it means I'm not depending upon you, which means I'm depending upon myself. But I took you along as insurance. <laughs> Paul says something to the Galatians church in, in, in chapter 3, verses, uh, in verse 3. He says, are you so foolish? Paul, he had a way of putting things. <laughs> are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Watch this now. He says, the issue is not the goal. You didn't change goals. The goal's the same. And that's why, that's what's so confusing. And that's what's so deceptive about what's happening. The goal's the same. The disciples did not change the destination. They were going in the direction that Jesus told them to go. But the issue is what they were depending upon. The issue is what they were drawing from. They didn't change their goal. No, it was more subtle than that. They, they, cha they changed who they were depending upon to reach the goal. Why? Because that's, because that's the way the direction of the world has taught us, right? Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for washing my sins away. I'll take it from here. And so we start with dependency and we do what the world shows us. We start growing in independence. But, that, but that's not what Jesus was ordering. He said, you're supposed to start with dependency. Then grow with dependency. You're not supposed to grow more independent. After dependency, you are supposed to grow and mature in your dependency upon him. And I feel like the disciples... Maybe without even noticing, noticing it. We slip from following into depending upon him to just taking him along. He, he, he was there. He's there, but we're living our life, pursuing our goals out of our own strength. And it's so subtle, you may not even notice it. But your worry and anxiety are telling on you. Your fear is telling upon you that there, was a, there is a subtle shift that has happened in your pursuits. That you've gone from following, you've gone from depending to just taking him along. And we have Jesus in our life, but we have a steel grip upon those buckets. And we're trying to empty out. We are laboring to get where we need to go. Jesus is there, but I got to show him how I can handle things. But the goal, <laughs> see, the moment we look to ourselves to keep the boat afloat is the moment our hearts will become overcome with the winds and the waves of anxiety and fear. <sighs> your strength of faith is not measured by how far you can carry your burdens, but how quickly you can wake Jesus up and give your, bur his, your burdens to him. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Say it again. 
The strength of your faith is not measured by how far you can carry your burdens, but how quickly you can wake Jesus up to give, him, give your burdens to him. And this is the thing, and I'll close with this. It's the thing about Jesus sleeping. And I thought about this, and I said, somehow in this moment, I, I, I believe that Jesus stayed asleep on purpose. <laughs> I think he said, you know what? You're going to depend upon yourself? Fine. I'm going to wait here until you've exhausted all of your options. I, I, I really want to convince you how this is not going to work. Therefore, I'm going to stay here asleep. I'm going to let you pump, try to pump the water out of the boat. I'm going to allow you to do and run around and, and cry and, and do all until you cannot do anymore and all your options are exhausted and you're all tired and you're frustrated and you finally say, Lord, <laughs> don't you care? <laughs> and it's almost like Jesus said, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I believe when he said, where is your faith? It wasn't because they woke him up. It's because it took that long to wake him up. And I believe that there is a grace that is asleep in our life. That only dependency can awaken. And I believe there's something that God wants to awaken. There's something that God wants to show you in your life. But you got to stop just taking Jesus along and get back to following and get back to depending and get back to trusting. You need to stop leaning on your own and start trusting in him with all of your heart. Not some of your heart, but all of your heart. You, God says, I've been waiting for you to wake me up. And he got up and he began to steal everything. Hey, this is just a reminder. Have you subscribed to our Telegram channel? Not only will you find important announcements, but also access to our daily devotionals, family devotionals, and much, much more. We also want to take this moment to thank you for your generosity and faithfulness throughout the years. Not only is your giving a fragrant and acceptable offering before God, but Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.12 describes it as an expression of ministry. And it is that very ministry that allows us to continue to put our hands to the plow together in the work of reaching people with the message of God's grace and love. You can give through four different avenues. You can stop by your nearest commercial bank or Braham Bank and deposit your offering to the account number on the screen, you can also take advantage of either bank's mobile banking apps. For those of you who have international major credit cards or debit cards, you can give online on our website, bezachurch.org. And you can always stop by our accounting office on the PK Building 5th floor, and they will be happy to serve you there. In this extraordinary and unusual season, we appreciate you going out of your way to give. 
Thank you. God bless you. በመጨረሻም አንድ ነገር ላስተዋውሳችሁ የቤዛ ቴሌግራም ቻናልን ጆይን ያደርጉ። በቴሌግራም የቤተክርስቲያን ማስተዋቂያ ብቻ ሳይሆን የለታዊ የእግዚአብሔር ቃል ጥናት የቤተሰብ ጥናት እና ሌሎች አጫጭር ነገሮችን ያገኛሉ። በዚህ መንፈሳዊነቱን በመመገብ ይትኩ። በመጨረሻ ለእግዚአብሔር በታማኝነት እንደቃሉ አስራትና መባችሁን የፍቅር ስጦታችሁን ስለምትሰጡ እግዚአብሔር ይባርካችሁ። ለእግዚአብሔር የምትሰጡት ስጦታችሁ በእግዚአብሔር ዘንድ እንደ መልካም ማዕዛ እንደሆነ ቃሉ ያስተምረናል። ይብቻ ሳይሆን ሁለተኛ ቆሮንጦስ ምዕራፍ 9 ቁጥር 12 ላይ እንደሚያስተምረን ለእግዚአብሔር የምናቀርበው አገልግሎታችንም ጭምር ነው። ይሄው አገልግሎታችሁ በእግዚአብሔር ያገልግሉት እርሻ ላይ አብልጠን እንድንዘረጋ ሰዎችንም በእግዚአብሔር የጸቃቃል እንድንدرس የሚያደርገን አብረን የምንጠመድበት ያገልግሉት እድል ነው ስትሰጡ ባራት መንገድ መስጠት ይችላልላችሁ አንደኛ በቅርባችሁ ወደሚገኘው ኢትዮጵያ ንግድ ባንክ ወይም ብርሃን ባንክ በመሄድ ሁለተኛ በተለይም በዚህ እንግዳ ጊዜ በስልካችሁ በሚገኝ ሞባይል ባንኪንግ አፕ እንድትጠቀሙ አብልጠንን መከራለን ከኢትዮጵያ ውጪ ላላችሁ ወገኖቻችን ደግሞ በሜጀር ክሬዲት ካርድ ወይም ዴቢት ካርድ በመጠቀም bezachurch.org ድረገጽ ላይ በመሄድ መስጠት ይችላልላችሁ በመጨረሻም በቲኬ ኢንተርናሽናል ህንፃ አምስተኛ ፎቅ ላይ በሚገኘው የቤዛ ሂሳብ ክፍል በመሄድ ለተሰጡት ይችላልላችሁ በዚህ ባልተለመደ እንግዳ በሚመስል ጊዜ ሁሉን አልፋችሁ ለእግዚአብሔር ሥራ ከሌላው ጊዜ አብልጣችሁ ስለተዘረጋችሁ እግዚአብሔር ይባርካችሁ እንወዳችኋለን እግዚአብሔር ይጣበቃችሁ ፍቱንም ያብራላችሁ